You're listening to audio from Cornerstone Church. We hope you're encouraged by the following message. Let's jump in. Well, thanks, Gary. Merry Christmas to everybody. Y'all doing well today? As I was saying earlier, are you getting ready for Christmas? Because you might as well. It's uh, already here, already here. So we are very excited about um, about some of the things that are going on, like over the schedule they just shared with you there. just want to encourage you to, um, I know your kids are going to be a part of some of the things we do for the family service and Christmas um, uh, on that, that night. So I just really encourage you that your kids sing along. They can, you know, we sent the links to you. If you don't have those, um, if you just reach out to the church, they can resend it to you if you don't have those links. But that way your kids know the songs and uh, it'll be fun. Man, it's always funny. It, you know, it's always fun to let the kids do stuff like that and be a part of it. Let them come to church with us and, and be together as a family like that and all. And it's good fun for them too to, to, to do the songs and, and we always get a, it, it's fun to watch and it's always, um, usually get a little bit of a laugh here and there, you know, cause they, they make it so much fun, man. They just, you never know what they're going to say or what they're going to do and, uh, it just make, brings a lot of joy. So uh, that's what we're going to talk about today a little bit in this series we're in called uh, Faith, Hope, and Love. And we're going to talk a little bit about believing today. And I tell this, the joy of believing or the joy in believing, there is great joy in believing and trusting in God. And I think sometimes it's, it's uh, almost looked at as like a laborsome thing. Like if we believe God, if we trust God, if we have faith in God or in faith in what God's doing, like it's got to be a difficult thing. It's a very laborsome thing, very tough, and oh man, it's just dreary and all that kind of thing. But it's not really true. There's great joy in believing. And I don't know if you guys do this or not at Christmas time, but we watch all the uh, Christmas movies. They kick in, you know, they start kicking in. Our kids are like kind of stickler about it. They wouldn't, you know, uh, can't watch any until after I don't know what it was, after Thanksgiving or something. They already started, but no, no, we're not watching any of them until till after then. Some of their favorite ones are like Home Alone and some of that stuff. I, we've seen that. I've seen those guys get hit with paint cans so many times, but it's still funny, you know. I mean, we watched part two last night, and I watched those guys, you know, get hit with everything. And it's just so funny still. And, you know, you think, I know it's coming. Like, you know, I've seen it so many times, but it still makes me laugh. But there's this one movie though, it cracks me up. Um, some of my friends, they, they, they love this movie. I, it's okay to me. I'm just not a big, huge, uh, fan of this, but it's, uh, this movie called, uh, Elf with Will Ferrell. You guys seen this before? So I got a picture of this guy in case you haven't seen it yet this year. This guy, I mean, this guy, that's about like the whole movie too. He is so sanguine, like his personality either hopped upon candy canes, eggnog, like I don't know what, I don't know what all this character, how they came up with this. Mostly it's him, I suppose. But silly, silly movie. It's not, not really one of my favorites. Um, mostly because he's very annoying to me. <laughs> I just, <laughs> his character in general is annoying to me. I, I even tried to watch some of the things that people recommend, the, uh, uh, Talladega Nights with him. He's annoying in that movie to me. Like everything he does, it's, it's pretty much annoying. <laughs> I don't know why. It's just his character, I suppose, but. I'm sure he's a good guy, but it's just the, the, the character itself. I can only handle so much of that. But um, he, it's just over the top, I guess how you say this. But anyway, his little saying in Elf uh, that he, <laughs> he kind of uses all the time is like spreading Christmas cheer by singing loudly for all to hear. <laughs> like He's like so amped up on that. You know, every time he tells someone, they look at him like, shut up. No, no. <laughs> I can't even do it. It just... It's so annoying to hear it in my head. 
But that's his favorite little saying is that, spreading Christmas cheer by singing loudly for all to hear. That's what he, he loves for people to hear. So I think though at Christmas time, a lot of times you have this, um, um, so, so much of an emotional high, you know, with Christmas that, cause when it's over, like if that's what you're, um, if that's what you're running on, when, when that's over, it, it's kind of a downer, you know, you're like, oh man, wow. You know, especially like when all the Christmas presents are gone, you know, trees out of the house and, you know, everything's down. You're taking all the decorations down, all that stuff. Everybody went home. Well, maybe you're glad people went home. I don't know. But, you know, you're done with all that. And it's like, oh, man. And then, but then you get other Christmas presents in January that show up in the mail that you didn't like. Oh, man. And now you're looking back on everything like, why did I buy that? Or why did I do this? Or, oh, I don't want this gift. This is like Visa and MasterCard. I don't like any of that. And it makes it almost like, man, why did I? And if that's the case, that means then um, we're only living on the moment, if you will. And as a person of faith, it's much deeper than that when it comes to Christmas. It shouldn't be an emotional high. It should be a joyful thing for us. And joy is different than happiness. You know, happiness, uh, people say things like, you know, well, you know, a million bucks won't make you happy. And then I've heard people say, well, I'd like to try. <laughs> see, you know, I think I could try and see how it goes. But it, it is temporary. That's why when so many people win things like the lottery, if they win all these millions and never managed it before, that's why they're so unhappy typically uh, before long because they don't know how to manage it. They never had that much money before, so they don't know what to do with it. And so they spend it on lavish things. Or you see professional athletes, they, get, they sign these big bonuses, contracts, whatever. And then they get out of their sport. They had a great career. But when they're done, they have nothing left over. And they've made $40 billion. How's that possible? It's because happiness is what's filling the moment. If I get this, if I get that, if I have this, then I'll be happy. And, but when happiness is gone, then what's left over? You, joy, though, is real. And joy is a, is a fruit of the Spirit, number one. But joy is a part of God that he gives you or not. So you can have that during Christmas. And it's really, really important. Because... Um, when it's over, again, you won't have any elves around you. You're not going to have... If you watch this movie, Elf, if you watch this after Christmas, I promise you, it'll annoy you. Because it's not fun anymore. You're like, oh, this guy, you know, I'll, next year, whatever. But listen to this, Romans fifteen thirteen. It says, uh, now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. So may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you might or so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So he's saying, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. So there's joy in believing. There's great joy in believing. I mean, salvation should be a wonderful thing that we believe and trust God in. But the joy of the Lord is my strength. There is joy in salvation. But if you talk to some Christians, man, you think they weren't there's, you know, salvation's miserable. It just seems like just cause something didn't go in the way. And there's a lot of things that don't go our way. I mean, let's just be honest. But that doesn't take away from what Jesus did for us. But if, if your faith is based on what you get in this life, then you will be disappointed. Because you won't have the things that you want and you won't be happy. But God never talked to us about saying, hey, you know what? I, you know, I just hope all your happiness and all your little dreams come true. He, he said, I'm going to fill you with joy. 
Because joy will sustain you, whereas in happiness, it, it won't. It's just temporary. And this guy, you know, as annoying as he is, uh, Will Ferrell and Elf, um, all he's trying to do is remind other people that the true spirit of Christmas needs to be reestablished in our hearts. Like, you know, he's trying to remind people what Christmas is all about. He wants people just to be happy, you know, and be joyful. And that's his, like, number one goal, I think, in the whole movie. Well, if, if God's asking us to have great joy, let's, I want to show you this from the, the, the story, the Christmas story from Luke 2. And I'll read you a couple of verses here from Luke 2 and verse 8. It says, In the same region there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy. Don't be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all people. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. I mean, that's why we sing these songs like joy Joy, joy, joy to the world. Joy is why? Why to the world? Because the world, if they're built their lives on all the stuff around them, is very unhappy. We're the ones supposed to be spreading joy. Don't do it like Elf, but be normal. But we should be spreading joy and happiness, not jumping on the bad wing with other people that are all miserable and upset and mad all the time. And the thing, let me just give you some definitions on joy real quick. So I put these on the screen for you. This is a Greek word for. Um, uh, for the word joy, so it makes sense. And the reason I'm doing this is because I, so you can understand uh, what the Greeks and what this meant from their definition. Because for us, joy might mean to you happiness, and it's not the same word. But the word joy is actually the word kara, C-H-A-R-A. It means having a cause to be joyful. So you have a reason to be joyful. So see, if I, if I don't get something, you say, well, see, I can't be joyful. Well, no, this is you have a reason this is having a cause to be joyful. Why am I joyful? Because of what Jesus did for me. That's why I'm joyful. And the, the word charis is, is connected with this word. It means to have a divine influence upon the heart. This is why this is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Happiness comes and goes with purchases. Joy, though, is an eternal principle of God. It is a fruit. It is the fruit of the Spirit, joy. And it comes from the Holy Spirit. And that's why when this word charis, it means to have a divine influence upon the heart. It's the same words when you read about spiritual gifts and those things, the gifts of the spirit. These are, this is the word charis. It is the same thing. God deposits his joy in your heart and you have joy. Whether you feel like it or don't, right now I'm telling you, by the deposit of the Holy Spirit, by being born again as a Christian, you have joy. Well, I wish I could feel it. Well, then you're basing your walk on happiness. It's what I have and what I don't have. That's temporary. But joy is eternal. Just like faith, just like love, those are all qualities or fruit of the Holy Spirit. And it is an eternal thing. So let me just say this. Joy must be received from God. It must be received from God. And it's kind of like getting a present under the tree. You know, if you ever do this, if you have a, at the end of Christmas time and you start you know, cleaning up everything, and you look over, and oh, there's a present that was unwrapped, and it was to you. All of a sudden, how quick do you go like, wow, that's so good. Just changed immediately, right? Because wow, I got a, I forgot a present. Well, joy in the same way, sometimes we forget that what God has given us, it's right there with you the whole time. 
Like you can have joy this morning. Even in the midst of a difficult circumstance, you can have joy. You don't have to have everything going your way. You can have joy. And I'm going to prove this to you uh, from Scripture. You say, well, how's that possible if it's so difficult in life? Well, let me read this from Hebrews 10, okay? So let's look at Hebrews 10 and look at uh, verse 34. I'll put it on the screen for you. Um, this is from the New American Standard Bible. But this is what uh, Paul, I believe Paul wrote this, but he says, For you showed sympathy to the prisoners and accepted joyfully, everybody say joyfully, the seizure of your property. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, come on, if somebody steals your house, are you going to be happy? No. But can you still have joy? Yeah. They took their houses knowing that you have for yourselves a better possession and a lasting one. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has great reward. I mean, if these guys in this scripture here, they were beaten, they stole all their Christmas presents, you know, they had nothing left, and he said, you were still joyful. How is that possible if somebody takes all your stuff? Because they understood it was an eternal principle, it was not a temporary thing. I mean, somebody didn't call you back. Somebody didn't respond to you. Somebody didn't, you know, re- reply to you. You know, you, you put something on, on your little favorite social media, whatever. Someone doesn't say something back to you. Are you, you know, you send a Christmas card and they just send you one or whatever. And if that, that gets you all worked up, that's happiness. That's an emotion. It's here and there and it's gone tomorrow. But joy, I can be joyful whether I get a Christmas card or not. I mean, what is it with those kind of things with all of us anyway? Like, oh, well, I got a Christmas card. Well, I mean, Lottie, da, day. What? Does that really, is that what is getting us going now? I mean, oh, look, look at what so and so said. What does that matter? It, it really, it, is it nice? Yeah, sure. I mean, it's great. They give you, yes. But that is not what we should build our life on. We have joy from the Lord. Not these temporary things that happen in our life. But listen to what Paul also said in Colossians. Colossians 1.11 says, We also pray that you'll be strengthened with all of his glorious power so that you will have all the endurance and patience that you need. May you be filled with joy. Now I'm using this from a New Living Translation on this one because of the way it reads. Um, it's easier just to read this versus trying to break down all the other, the way it's broken down in the other translations. But he's saying, may you be filled with joy. It's an interesting word, may, um, he didn't say, he's using the word may, and it's like those principles when you, uh, if you remember this in school, or maybe you're in school right now and you've heard this, I don't know if teachers still do this or not, but when I was a, a young guy in school, I, this illustration, I still remember it, it drove me crazy, because I didn't get it, like, I, it just took forever for it to finally click. It's those little illustrations that the teacher does where uh, the, the, everybody's learning, you're learning the, the difference between may and can, may I do something or can I do something? You remember this? It's the thing where, you know, your friends are there and the teacher says, okay, we're all going to, um, you know, go get water, but you have to ask first. And so during this class time, anytime we get water, you just ask. And so, you know, right, I'm going first. Well, I'm not, I'm not going to wait anybody else. I'm going to go. Like, hey, can I get some water? No. You just said ask. Like, is this a joke? Like, Okay. Can't get water? Okay. But then your friend beside you goes like, teacher, may I get some water? Yes, you may. And so all of a sudden, like, you're like, what is this about? So then you raise your hand again. I don't know if you, were you, how many of you were like me? Okay. Teacher, can I get a drink of water? No, you may not. Your next friend over there, teacher, may I get a drink of water? Yes, you may. You know, and before long, how many of you guys were like me? How many, 
let's just be honest right now. Okay, I'm not the only one that, okay, thinks a little different. Okay, fine. Just a few of us in here, all right? Don't worry about it. It's okay. I remember going through about half the class had gone out to get their water, do their thing, whatever, and I'm like going bananas. Why can't I go get water? Can I get some water? No, you may not. You know, and finally, it's like your little buddy behind you texting. You have to say, may I? <laughs> oh, shut up. You know, you just want to throw your book at them. Like, you're just such a teacher's pet, you know? Anyway, and then you say, teacher, may I go get a drink of water? Yes, Jody, you may. Thank you. You know, you want to say, I don't even want the water now, you know? But what are they doing? Why do they do that? I don't even know if it's still done anymore, but, you know, it's how we did it. But the the reason for it is because they want you to understand the difference between a permission, like, may I do something? That's a permission. You know, you're asking a permissive state. You're asking a question, may I do something? Because you're yielding your ability, if you will. You, can, you have all the ability, like Jesus said earlier, you have all the ability in the world to go get water all you want to. But it's the permission. You're yielding to the authority in the room, and you're saying, I understand you're over me. So I'm asking for your permission, may I go get a drink of water. When you say, can I, you're saying, I can do it. I don't need to ask you. There's a complete different, and it drove me crazy, like it still kind of drives me crazy if you can't tell, because, you know, I'm just asking permission. It's just, you know, some of it's cultural or whatever. But nonetheless, may I do something. The funny thing about this here, when he says, may you be filled with joy. Now think about that. It is a, it's not a forced thing. It is, it is literally, it's up to you if you want this or not. God's not going to make you have joy. It's there, it's present, it's within you. But he's not going to make you have joy. He's saying it's available to you if you want it. And in Hebrew, if you look this up, these words are very interesting, can or may, they're kind of, it's weird. In the Hebrew, it's interchangeable, and this is the word yakol, it's a funny word, but they're interchangeable, and there's really no difference in it, in Hebrew. So see, I was, maybe that's what I was coming from, the side of Hebrew, you just didn't know it, you know? But here's the crazy thing, it implies that God has all power, and man has all will. And when the two work together, all things are possible. To which which Jesus actually said this, if you remember, in Mark 9 and verse 23. This is when he says this. This is what he's referring to. Teacher, may I go get a drink of water? Uh, Yes, you may. Teacher, can I go get a drink? No, you may not. He's saying, Mark 9, 23, when the guy was asking about his boy who was tormented by demons, you know, Jesus, would you heal him? And, and, if you can, you can make my son whole. And Jesus said in verse 23, what do you mean if I can? It's not a question about can. He is all powerful. He's almighty. It's not a question of power. It's not a question of might or ability on the side of Jesus. Jesus looked at this guy almost as to have a, what? Are you really asking, can I do something? Because listen, it has nothing to do with the can side. Jesus said, anything is possible if a person believes. And then the father instantly cries out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. Very honest uh, you know, expression of the dad there. 
But I think it's where many of us are, right? Man, I do believe, but just help me in my unbelief. Help me in the part of my life that I don't believe in. And this is an area where I actually think many of us just don't believe. We don't believe we can have joy when God has given us joy. Go through a difficult circumstance and all of a sudden that drives our life instead of the internal quality of joy that's on the inside of us that can actually cause you to be excited. To actually give you strength to overcome. And so when Jesus is saying, what do you mean if I can? I can do it. Here's the better question. Will you ask may? May you have joy. May you be filled with joy. Will you ask God to fill you with his joy? God, can I have some joy? That's not the right question. That's not about can. He's got plenty of that. He's got more than enough joy. What he wants to know is, do you want to be filled with joy? Not your joy, his eternal joy. So here's a couple of thoughts about this that I felt I would take from um, this elf character. He's actually a weirdo, but nonetheless, it just kind of made me think of a couple of things. Um, And this is this. Number one, I was teaching a a Bible college class this week. And so one of the students asked this question. They want to know different things about the Holy Spirit as far as how the Holy Spirit works in your life and different things here and there. And, you know, they're going to ministry, and so dependence on the Holy Spirit's huge, and, and it's very important. But they're asking from the question of, well, you know, what, what if God wants me to do this? How about the Holy Spirit when he does this? How do you do? And I, I just backed it up, and I just said, here, let me just say the number one most important thing. The most important thing above anything else, over ministry, over calling, over gifting, over whatever you think the Holy Spirit's given you to do, number one is this, that you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because your ministry, you can live off of an anointing, but it comes and goes. And it's a dangerous thing, man. Because it'll rest on you and you'll think you got something. And that's not you. That's the Holy Spirit sitting on you for a moment and it lifts. And when that lifts, you better have something you got going on throughout the week. Like everybody else does. Like just like you, a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because you can't build your life on a ministry. You can't build your life on a gift or a talent. It's got to be on with Jesus Christ. So... This thing about Buddy, the funny thing is, he was around telling everybody he knew Santa Claus. And everybody thought he was an idiot. You know, you remember this movie? He's like, oh, I know him, I know him. I know him. He's just a weirdo. And, but he really did know Santa in the movie. But no one believed him. But the reality is this. When you know Jesus, um, it's a difference between knowing someone and knowing of someone. Knowing someone and knowing of someone. So, so here's real quick. Number one, you need to know Jesus in a relationship. I, I've said this before, like to, uh, somebody asked me one time, I was doing, it's just kind of a funny thing. He said, um, hey, do you know uh, Joel Osteen? Well, yeah, I know Joel Osteen. Really? Yeah, yeah, I know him. Really? Yeah. I mean, well, you know, I mean, I mean, he was at a meeting one time I was at, you know, he was, he was there, you know, talking to us. Really? Yeah, yeah, you know, talking to us and all. I mean, well, he wouldn't, I mean, when I say us, it was a, an arena, so it was like, you know, 4,000 people were there, but you know, I mean, it was, it was, it was to us, I mean, you know, kind of like, thing. I mean, not really to us, you know what I'm saying? He was on a platform with another pastor, they were having a conversation, and we were just in the room kind of thing, you know, I mean, I, I know of him. I don't know him. And I said it because he's probably one of the, I guess the most well-known uh, preacher you might know. Pick an athlete, doesn't matter. Do you know Michael Jordan? Yeah, man, I know Michael Jordan. Yeah, absolutely. 
Was that a NASCAR race? You know, we was hanging out. Really? I mean, I mean, he's up in the, you know, he, he's at the pit box with his team. I mean, I was just over to the side. I mean, but, you know, I passed him as I was going by, you know. Well, you don't know Mike. You might want to be like Mike, but you don't know Mike. And there's a difference between knowing someone and knowing about them. You understand what I'm saying? Relationship is everything with Jesus. And this is what Paul said, Philippians 3.10. I'm going to put this up from the New Living Translation because of the way it reads. A little bit easier uh, than some of the other translations. But Paul says, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death. But notice this. The first thing he says he wants, I want to know Christ. Now, this is Paul. In Philippians, when you read about this and you look at Paul's life, I would say he probably knew Jesus, don't you? I mean, if you look in your Bible here, I, this portion, let's just say about right in here, he's pretty much written that. And God authorized him to be able to write it and, and give it to us through the Holy Spirit. I'd say he pretty much knows God pretty well, don't you? But he says to us, I want to know him. I don't want to just know about salvation. I don't want to just have a salvation experience. I want to know him. And when, he, when you know him, it is a difference between just knowing about God and knowing God. And so Paul used this in Acts 17. I'll put this on the screen for you too. But Paul, um, he used this with a group of people who were unbelievers. And this is what he did in Acts 17, because he knew God uh, with a group of people who didn't know God. So watch this, Acts 17, verse 22. So Paul, standing before this council, he addressed them as follows. He says, men of Athens, I notice that you are very religious in every way. So he says, hey man, I, I see that you're religious people. For as I was walking along, I saw your many shrines. And that means they're idols, okay? I saw your many shrines. Notice Paul didn't come at them and start saying, you bunch of idol worshipers, because they were unbelievers. No reason to, like, we already know that. So what he's trying to do is find some common ground. And he says, and I see one of your altars has this inscription on it, to an unknown God. This God, whom you worship without knowing, is the one I'm telling you about. See the difference? They didn't know God. Paul did. And so Paul took an opportunity to say, you're worshiping something you don't even know about. I'm going to tell you about this thing you're worshiping. He is the God who made the world and everything in it. And since he is Lord of heaven and earth, he doesn't live in man-made temples. And human hands can't serve his needs, for he has no needs. For he himself gives life and breath to everything, and he satisfies every need. Paul said, man, listen, I know him. That one that you're worshiping that you don't know, I know him. And I can tell you all about him if you want to know him. Because he had a relationship with Jesus. It was more than just a religious thing that he was going through. And that's the stuff that real joy is made from. And this is why he told them in Philippians 4.4, 4, he says, I'll always be full of joy in the Lord. And again, I say, rejoice. Or rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say unto you, rejoice. That means rejoice. Refill your life with joy. Be filled with joy. It is not just a one-time thing, but be Joyful. All right, so you need to know Jesus. If I know Jesus, it's going to change how I uh, respond in life. And the second thing, like I said, this buddy guy, he, he's, he's a goofball, but he finds enough cheer for everyone in the room. Like, it's just too much. It's just way too much. But we should be cheerful. We really should be. We we're, really should be cheerful people. And um, 
Again, I'm not saying that you do it this way. His little statement, the best way to spread Christmas cheer is by singing loud for all to hear. <laughs> like, he is so annoying to me. But at the same time, you can't get over this, that he's a cheerful person. And that's the thing about Jesus. When you read about him in the Gospels, you don't see a grumpy Jesus. Do you? Like, I don't see, like when all the kids run up to Jesus, kids do not run up to grumpy people. I don't know if you know this or not. They're very, they can, they very well identify grumpy people and they don't go see grumpy people. If a kid never talks to you, I'm just saying, <laughs> it might be your cue, right? Kids go around people who are silly and goofy. They love it. They think it's funny if you tell a goofy joke. I mean, one of them taught my, my youngest one, she's learned how to make, pardon my language, fart noises with her arm right here. So now she thinks that's hilarious. I mean, she's that. I mean, she rolling on the floor, funny. They just think that stuff's hilarious. Now, I'm just going to tell you something. Now, you might think this about Jesus, but I don't see Jesus. If there was a kid like mine and others around, and they're doing silly, goofy stuff like that, Jesus walking like, my child, you should not be making those noises with your armpit. You must refrain from such silliness. You know he didn't do that. Now, I'm not saying he did that with them, but I'm pretty sure, I bet you anything, he cracked a smile. You know he did. You can't look at a kid and do, they do that kind of stuff, and you sit there and go like, you know, that's inappropriate, so inappropriate. You, before long, you just can't help it. Like, you know, I gotta look away. I gotta look away. I gotta look away. But kids say the silliest stuff because they're happy, they're joyful, and Jesus He's not a grumpy person. He's not an upset person. He did give it to the religious people. Yes, I understand that. But he, he's not a Grinch. You know, he's not, you know, walking around with his heart, you know, 10 times too small. He, he's, he's filled with love and joy and compassion. And this is what he tells us. In John 16, um, verse 33, he says, These things I've spoken to you, that in me you might have peace. This is Jesus talking. In the world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, right? For I have overcome the world. So he's telling us right now, you're going to face obstacles in life. You're going to face difficulties in life, but be of good cheer for I have overcome the world. Now you may think, oh, it's just a positive attitude. Well, I mean, I don't know. Positive attitude gets you pretty far, I think, but outside of that, Here's something to be cheerful about. Jesus not only just died for you, he was resurrected for you. He took on hell for you and he won. And that right there ought to make you happy. Not a temporary, but joyful. That It's not just that you were saved, but that you, you have one who loves you enough. He overcame death, hell, and the grave for you. And if, if anything else is not going right for you, that right there is going right. And that's a wonderful thing to have. So here's what I want you to do. Um, I want you to encourage someone. Here's how you're going to cheer someone up, okay? So the person next to you or behind you or around you or whatever, if you have to shout across the, the chairs there, whatever you got to do. But I want you to tell the person next to you, you're a great person. There you go. Now, if they didn't pick you... Um, They'll get get another chance. Pick the other person beside you, okay, on this time. Can't pick everybody the first pick, okay? All right, you tell them this. You have a great smile. 
Now, if you don't see, if they're not, if they're not telling you anything, find somebody around you who's not. And then turn around and tell, tell them this. Say, you know what? God loves you. All right. Now, how most of you, I'm looking at most of you in the room, I, I'd say the majority of you smiled at least, cracked a smile. It's very difficult for someone to pay you a compliment and you not actually smile or blush or, you know, squirm in your seat a little bit. Even in the, the most ardent, like, you know, Grinches and Scrooges of Christmas time, if you encourage them, say something just to encourage them, they can't, you make them, like, they get a nervous twitch and all, like, just stop. I don't like it. But they can't help it. If you encourage someone, if you give them cheer, if you cheer them on, if you will, it kind of changes people's disposition. You, you change the way, you just shift in your life a little bit just by a simple word of encouragement. And so, anyway, try doing some of that for the rest of this Christmas season. When you go to the place where uh, my oldest daughter, she's doing some retail now, a little holiday job. And, you know, she's learning how public works now, dealing with people. And uh, she's nice oh, and eye-opener. You know, she's mostly around Christian people at church and things like that. And everybody's typically on Sunday morning, most times, pretty happy. You know, and, um, but it's funny when you get out there, you see how, like, people do all kind of weird stuff. Trying to return stuff, got no receipt, got no car, got no email, got nothing. Where, how'd you get this thing? Well, you know. <laughs> what does that mean? Well, you know. No, I don't know. How'd you get it, right? You know, whatever. But you find out all kinds of stuff. People People get rude. They can be upset. They can be, you know, and sometimes people are sad. You get the chance to, look, if they're rude to you, you get the chance to say, you know what? Whatever's going on in their life must be very bad. Just put it aside. Maybe you could pass on some joy to them. Maybe you could just be, you know, cheer them on a little bit. Maybe you could encourage them this year at Christmas time. Maybe you might be the only person that ever does. Who knows? Maybe they have a reason they're upset. Maybe Christmas time stinks for them because something happened around this time of year and they just can't get over it. You could, be the, you could be the one to help them by just simply encouraging them this year. All right, so this last thing, though, that, that this, this crazy little elf guy does that he encourages people to do is this idea of having belief. He encourages everybody just to believe in, you know, in Santa Claus. He's like, you got to believe. You gotta, he just, he's just over and above, you know, this whole idea about believing. And um, I remember when, when Ava, we were... Um, I don't remember what age she was at the time, but, um, you know, she went to ask me about, you know, Santa Claus and it was the age where, you know, she's going on and on about this whole thing. And, you know, I've just, I've just always been, you know, people think I'm like, you just don't want to have any fun. It's not that, but if they ask me a direct question, what am I supposed to do with that? Well, you know, you just, they just need to have fun. We have a lot of fun. Whole lot of fun. We're always having fun. Them kids laugh at so much stuff. Like, I don't even know what they're laughing at anymore. They're just like, nah, they just laugh all the time. We have fun. But if they ask me a direct question, like, now, Dad, they look you in the eye. Now, Dad, now I want you to tell me the truth. All right. But don't ask me if you don't want to know. But I remember when she asked me the question, and I'm not saying, you know, I don't know where y'all are with all this kind of thing. I don't know what y'all do. But anyway, so she asked me the question. I can't remember what age it was. And I said, no. I said, well, historical, here's, you know, SC. Here's his, you know, his life, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, no, baby, we don't have, like, laws of physics that change for our chimney. And, no, we, we, we don't have uh, 
magic dust and stuff. That's like, you know, Tinkerbell. Now, that's a different story. Now, she has all that, but no, not this, no. <laughs> it's just all this stuff, right? But she asks me, and this is literally uh, what she told me. She says, well, I'll tell you what. You don't believe it, you ain't going to receive it. <laughs> I said, what? She goes, if you don't believe, you ain't going to give you anything. And I left there thinking like, you know, it was a very profound thing to hear. But at the same time, I left thinking, well, you know, actually, uh, you know, I just left it alone at that. I just walked away and it's like, you know, I've already disrupted enough for the little child to hear. But what do you do with something like it when your kid tells you, well, if you don't believe, you ain't going to receive nothing. I mean, like, oh, man. So it, it, it got me thinking about some things, you know. You know, sometimes we really are, we're, we're more excited about the expectation of the present than the actual moment, you know, of seeing the actual gift. You know what I'm saying? When you, you open a present and you think, oh man, I can't wait to see this, and it's like a pair of socks. Like, man, thanks. You know, you try to put it on, like, don't you? Like, man, thank you so much. It's just what I've always wanted. Socks, you know, like, but sometimes it's not what you're expecting when it comes. Maybe it's socks, a pack of gum, I don't know. But this is what happened, if you think about this with, with Thomas, with this idea of believing. And I want to share this last little point um, about believing and this idea that we all have heard, the statement called seeing is believing and all this, this stuff that we say that's not biblical at all, but it's just used. So let's look at this from John 20, and I'm going to wrap up with these last thoughts here, okay? John 20, this is the, the, the conversation Thomas is having. He's already said, you know, um, I don't believe, you know, I can't, Jesus has been resurrected from the dead. He said, I don't believe that. Look, you guys are trying to play a joke on me, this and that and the other. And um, so eight days later now, Thomas is now with them again. He's already said, I don't believe in him unless I do this, unless I see his side, whatever. He's kind of put out his, unless I see this, I don't believe what you're saying. So John 20 and verse 26, it says, Eight days later, the disciples were together again, and this time Thomas was with them, and the doors were locked. But suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. And he says, Peace be with you. And, you know, then he says to Thomas, Put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. But believe. And then Thomas says, My Lord and my God. Thomas explained. <clears throat> then Jesus told him, You believe because you have seen me. He then says, Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. So the disciples saw Jesus do many other miraculous signs in addition to the ones recorded in this book. But these are written so that you might continue to believe or that you, it could be either one, that you might believe or that you might continue to believe. It could be either way. That Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name. Jesus is saying to us, that the blessing of the Lord does not come by sight. It comes by believing. He's very clear about this. 
this is a very common thing you've heard. We use it in our culture pretty often. People say, well, I'll believe it if I see it. And I just want to break down that thought process very briefly here. If you see something, that is not believing in something. Jesus, when he says what he says right here, people say, well, see, seeing is believing. It's really not. It's seeing. Grammatically, it doesn't work. (laughs) You can't say, oh, I believe there's a light bulb. Well, no, I'm looking at the light bulb. To believe in something, you can't actually actually be looking at it. That's sight. To have faith in something, you actually have to believe in something that you cannot see. It's, it's a much more deep-seated thing than sight. Sight is here. It's in the moment. There's a Christmas tree. There's a piano, a music stand, a guitar, drums. I see every one of these things, and you have zero faith whatsoever in it because you see it. And if you can't see it visually, they are there. You're trusting in what I'm saying, which is a whole other thing if you start thinking about that. You're trusting in my word to you that it's actually there. So what Jesus is saying to you, or what John is writing about Jesus and his words, he's saying to you, hey, listen, Thomas, you saw this stuff, and, you know, I get it. You're seeing stuff, but blessed are those who believe and never see a thing. And then John goes and breaks it down a little bit further. And, oh, by the way, if visually you couldn't see the drums and the piano and the tree that's up here right now, my word, this was written for you, so why? My word was put on paper for you so that you might believe these things are true, that they are real. See, when I tell you stories of things like I just told you about Ava and what she said, you are putting 100% faith in my story that it's true. You were not there. You did not see it. You did not have the conversation. You are trusting that I am giving you the facts. That's faith. You believe my story. And it is a true story. You, you know, my daughter, I, this morning, I ran off, left our house. Just got here. I uh, had different things with me. I totally forgot uh, my shirt. I didn't want to be wrinkled, so I leave it. I hang it up in the truck. Uh, on my way over, and I put it on right before I come out. I left it on the on the chair on the on our kitchen table, hung up there. We got here. I'm like, oh my goodness! I said, baby, can you go back and get my shirt for me? Yeah, Dad, sure, no problem. Can you do a couple things for me? <laughs> yeah, okay, sure. You know, well, I'll take care of that for you. <laughs> so, so she goes, she gets my shirt, she brings it back to me. That's a true story. That happened this morning. You are trusting, you are putting faith in my words that that took place. And by doing so, you believe. Are y'all getting what I'm saying here? My words, this is just Jody's words, but my words are truth. When I'm, t- I'm telling the story, I'm telling, those are true words. They actually took place. How much more? When Jesus says to you, my words are truth, they are spirit. When he speaks something, it is a fact. And listen, you can bank on it. It's a fact. And this is why the seeing thing, well, if I was to see an angel, then I could believe in angels. No, you really wouldn't. It'd probably freak you out. And we have one of those like portable like things that here at the church in case everybody didn't think, God, we never had to use it. But like after you like, have a cardiac arrest, we'll recharge you after seeing one you know people say things like all the time well if this then i would no you wouldn't because you're basing everything on what you see faith is about what i believe i believe that jesus is the son of god 
Why do you believe that? Well, I have his word on it, but in case that's not good enough for some people, um, what he did in my life, I can only explain to you by the transformation in my life. Because it doesn't make sense any other way. And I'm sure you guys have the same type testimonies. Believing. It is not seeing. Seeing is seeing. Believing is believing. And when Jesus is talking to Thomas and he says this to him, and he says, you believe because you have seen me. In other words, he's saying to him, there's nothing, that, there's nothing about what you're believing that, that is anything. It's just you saw it and now it's there. You're not required to have any faith whatsoever because you see this. That's why he says, blessed are all of those people who believe in me. And yet, they never see me. Jesus puts a greater uh, blessing, if you will, a greater blessing on the believing side than he ever does the seeing side. And so this life that he talks about, he wants you to know about, is this. When he says, man, by believing in him, you would have this life. It's a really cool word. It's called zoe. Z-O-E. Zoe. I don't pronounce it differently, but that's the best way, I think. But it's a Greek word, and it actually means the life of God. And so when Jesus, when he says about this, with Jesus here, he says uh, that by believing in him, you would have life, you would have zoe, you would have the life of God, or the way that God lives. What he's saying is that by believing in me, you might be filled with joy. That you could have joy filled in your heart. You could have joy in your life. You don't have to be, you know, live and dwell by the circumstances around you. You can have joy in your life. And watch this. This is what John 5, 24 says about Jesus, what he says to us. He says, I tell you the truth. Those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. Like eternal life is based on belief. It is not based on sight. Let me tell you why this is so important. There were hundreds, maybe thousands of people who saw the crucifixion of Jesus. There were, the religious leaders were so ungodly, not all of them, but the ones that planned all this, they were so ungodly that they did not want anything to do with the whole idea of Jesus being resurrected. Even after he was resurrected, they knew he had been resurrected from the dead and they still tried to go against it. They made up all kinds of stories about it. Well, the disciples stole his body and all this kind of... Impossible. Impossible. There were Romans who were converted. And if you know anything about the Roman culture at that time, they were converted by the, the resurrection of Christ. They converted. You would not do that. I'm telling you, based on their culture, you're not doing that unless something real happened. Because it was life and death for them. And many of them died because of it. But when he says this right here, when he talks about this, this idea that believing in God, he's saying to us, you hear my words and you believe in the God who sent me, they have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins, but they have already passed from death into life. Ah, man, I love that verse of scripture. It means right now you don't have to wait till you get to heaven to have joy. And too many times we, we want to do that, right? Like, you know, and um, I'm going to ask Bruce, you can come on up. I'm, I'm done. But, you know, like, look, think about this for a moment. Why is it that when we get to heaven, that's when we put all of our expectation out there? 
Like, oh, man, you know, when we get to heaven, man, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be filled with joy and, like, when there's streets of gold and there's, like, you know. Man, I get it. I, I do understand the perspective. But why do we always put it out there so far out, like, into heaven that that's when we'll be joyful? Or that's when, man, I, I'll just have peace. One day... When I can rest, man, rest in peace, man. When I'm gone, then, man, you know what? Then I can rest. Why can't you rest here? Like, when we get there, you understand, like, what's the point? If you, if you, <laughs> you need rest here, not there. This is the place where, like, you get tired. I mean, up there, there's stuff like, you know, there, the leaves on these trees are like, like food is, they're called the healing for the nations. I mean, there's stuff on the trees there that you eat, it just heals stuff. Okay, there's beautiful things in heaven that are just amazing. When you get there, you're not going to need the things that you need right here. You, think about this, why do you need joy now? Because you deal with stuff that makes you not so happy. When you get there in his presence, the Bible says there is fullness of joy. And I'm going to tell you something. You get there, do you think there's really going to be disappointment? Do you think there's going to be people that are grumpy? There's be no Grinches there. You can't be grinchy around Jesus. You can't. He'll look at you. He'll look at each one of us and be like, listen, what are you doing, man? You can't be grinchy here. You just can't. Yeah, but, 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 but you don't understand. It's not fair. What's not fair? Well, I was walking down the streets of gold. Uh-huh. And the moment you say something really stupid like that, you're going to realize, what am I talking about? He's going to laugh at you. Huh? You're going to laugh at him. You're like, oh, man, I don't know what I was thinking. And you're going to get over it. Because there, there will be no need for any of this stuff. There's no need for the sun. We need sun here. Why? To live. Apparently, it does a lot of really good stuff for our earth. Just some stuff scientists are figuring out, I guess. But you don't need the sun there. Why? It says the light comes from him. He doesn't need a solar system. He doesn't need anything. He, he, he is everything. Where we need it is right here. Like right now. Right here and now. When Jesus said things like this, take no thought for your life. Why would he say that? Because in this life you take thoughts. Why would he say don't worry about tomorrow? Today's got enough trouble of its own. Isn't that the truth? Lord have mercy. That's a fact. Well, there you're not going to have to deal with worry because there's not going to be worry there. What are you going to worry about in heaven? I mean, let's just think about that for a moment. What are you really going to worry about in heaven? Well, you know, you don't have to worry about your house. I mean, he, built, he makes mansions, you know. Mansions for everybody. You don't have to be like, well, I'm jealous, you know, it's not right. You know, these billionaires, they, they fly around spaceships. It ain't cool. They ought to give me some of that. That's all me out the window. Nobody's going to care about any of that stuff because everybody's going to have mansions. Nobody's going to be like, all of those things will not matter there. Here is where we have to put those things in check. So this morning, here's what I want to pray for you. I'm going to close your eyes and bow your heads. And I want to pray that God would fill you with joy this morning for this season. So, Father, in Jesus' name, I pray right now and ask you to do a work in our hearts, do a work in our lives. Lord, I don't know what... Everyone is faced with this morning. I don't know what all they have to deal with. I don't know what they came in with this morning. But I know that you are the giver of joy. I know that you have...
joy for us, Lord, if we just ask. You said when we ask of you, Lord, that we should ask you, as James would say, ask. Ask that our joy might be filled. Ask that we might be filled with our joy. So, Lord, I pray right now in Jesus' name as we ask you for whatever it is. Maybe there's some in this room right now they need wisdom, Lord. Maybe they need an answer from you. In Jesus' name, I just pray that you would uh, speak a word to people's hearts this morning. I pray for clarity for those who might be confused. And I pray for uh, direction maybe for those who are, are asking for next steps. God, I pray for marriages right now. I pray that you'd strengthen um, hearts in this room. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that you help parents with their children. God, whatever it is that, that they came in with this morning, whatever worry or concern, Lord, in the name of Jesus, would you fill our hearts with your joy? Would you help us to be who you've called us to be? And we help us to live joyfully, filled with all joy. And God, when we start to run low and a tank starts feeling like we're running low, as your word says, rejoice in the Lord. That means go back and refill the tank. Rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say unto you, rejoice. So Father, in Jesus' name, I ask you to fill our hearts this morning. Fill our hearts to overflowing with joy. Not a temporary happiness, but God, an eternal joy. And I pray if there's anybody here this morning that doesn't know you, that they do not know you as their Savior, I pray in the name of Jesus right now that they'd make that decision to follow you. So with your eyes closed and no one's looking around just for the next few minutes, if you're here this morning you say, I don't know Jesus, I've never accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior, but today I'm coming in and I've got a burden and I, I need to know him as my Savior. Pastor Jody, will you please pray for me this morning? Um, I need to make that decision this morning. We're going to pray with you as, as the church, the whole church here together will pray for you. And all I'm asking you to do is, as the scriptures declare, as a man or woman believes in their heart, they confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord. Scriptures say you shall be saved. But it starts first by believing in the heart. You believe something. You believe the words of Jesus. You believe. And then he says, based on your belief, you're going to speak out or confess or speak that Jesus is Lord. And that's his instructions for us. It's a very simple thing. He's not asking you to do anything else. From that moment on, once you declare him as Lord, he'll start helping you walk forward in your walk with him. So right now, while you're here, the whole church is going to pray with you. You won't be by yourself. But if you want to make Jesus your Lord, repeat this after me. Say, dear Jesus, I come to you today, and I give you my life, and I give you my heart. I give you everything, Lord. I surrender it all. In Jesus' name, forgive me and cleanse me of all unrighteousness. I believe that you're the Son of God. I believe that you were resurrected. And I believe that you are my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. Man, we're so proud of you, right, church? Did you give me a hand if you prayed that prayer? So proud of you this morning. Hey, Gary's going to close up and uh, come up and close up. Uh, for us today and share you some things of what you can do. But if you just prayed that prayer, I really want to encourage you to take a moment to fill out the, seat, the card in the seat back in front of you, or you can use this screen shot there and you can scan that. But we'd love to help you get started walking with Christ any way we possibly can. So if you just take a moment to do that, man, we want to help you get in that next step of discipleship with the Lord. I'm just so proud of you for making that decision this morning. Gary, y'all welcome Gary up this morning. Thank you, Pastor. Our prayer team is going to come up front now.
Um, these folks will be here. If you accepted Christ this very first time, come up and tell one of these folks. They'd love to pray with you um, after service. Or if you have any other need, they'd like to pray with you. Um, I was not, I appreciate Pastor's uh, sentiment on Elf. I was never an Elf fan at the beginning, um, but I've come around. Um, and I was just thinking of uh, the part, my favorite part in there is that when he's uh, Santa's in the department store, and, and he goes up to him and says, you're not the real Santa. And he says, yes, I am. He says, no, you smell like beef and cheese. <laughs> well, we have to worry about Jesus having a fake beard and smelling like beef and cheese, do we? He's real, isn't he? And when we put our belief and trust in him, uh, he is the real thing, isn't he? And that's where the joy comes in our life. It reminds you of a couple things. Uh, giving. You can give. We don't pass a plate around, but you can give online. You can uh, text to give. There's offering boxes in the back here. We appreciate your faithfulness during the Christmas season. Just want to remind you again about the coat drive. It's really, really important, that box that's out there. We really want to fill that up with not only just coats, but boots, gloves, hats, everything else. Um, There's a lot of folks in our community here who just don't have anything. For whatever reason, they're out on the street. And... uh, Part of our, I think, our mission and ours, our duty as a Christian is to help the poor. And that's what we want to do here at this Christmas season. So don't forget that box. We've only got a couple more weeks here to fill that up, so please do that as well. Ladies, this Friday is your cookie swap. Uh, go on to events at cornerstonerome.com for the details uh, when you come here. So always, if you would just stand, we're going to send you out of here with the Lord's blessing. Out of Numbers, chapter 6. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you, be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you his peace and his joy this Christmas season. God bless you. Have a great week. We hope you were blessed by today's message. If so, feel free to pay it forward and share this podcast with someone else. Thanks for listening.